Thank you for listening to City Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit us at borocitychurch.com. That's B-O-R-O, citychurch.com. Additionally, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, would you please email us to let us know? You can email us at sermons at borocitychurch.com. Thank you for listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's recite the Apostles' Creed, or cite the Apostles' Creed together. Go ahead, sit down. That's fine. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at City. And as many of you know, this is our family's last Sunday here. And I said I wasn't going to cry, and I'm already starting. So, <laughs> um, when Trevor asked me to preach this final time, uh, I was pretty apprehensive. I didn't want to make this Brandon Sunday. I wanted this to be the Lord's Day. Um, but Trevor rightly challenged me and reminded me that one way to lead well is to leave well. And so that's what I'm going to try to do this morning. Um, so this is not going to be a full 40-minute, 45-minute sermon. Um, this sermon is going to be like a McDonald's hamburger. Nothing special. Just straightforward. It is what it is. Okay. So I don't intend to say anything unique or special, but what I want to do uh, two goals, to encourage and challenge you, and not to cry, which I already started doing earlier, so I've already failed one, but I'm going to try to encourage you and challenge you the rest of the time. So we'll be in Deuteronomy 10 this morning if you guys want to turn over there. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, right in the back of the room here, we have Bibles that are free. It's our gift to you. Uh, feel free to take one home and read it. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to have the words up on the screen. So go to Deuteronomy 10. I'm going to start briefly in Matthew 22, but you don't have to turn there. You can just follow along as you get over to Deuteronomy 10. But in Matthew 22, Jesus gives us, like I said, one of the most basic commandments. He gets into a debate with these religious leaders, and at the end of the debates, the Sadducees, he basically says, uh, you guys don't understand your Old Testament. You guys don't understand what Scripture is teaching. So then another set of leaders come up to him, and they try to challenge him. So Matthew 22, verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets depend on these two commandments. So he quotes, actually, Deuteronomy, what we're going to read this morning. He quotes that there. It's a couple of times in Deuteronomy. And what Jesus basically tells them is that all of God's commandments, all of Scripture, everything can be summed up in a simple, basic way, love God and love others. So they try to test him, they try to trap him, they're trying to get him into a false dichotomy, but he says, no, you don't choose between loving God and loving others. God's covenant is inseparable from his mission. 
And by the way, this hasn't changed. This is something that's all throughout Scripture. It's the call to us today. Jesus says it's the foundation of Scripture, and I would say we need to make sure that it's the foundation of our church. So if I can give you any exhortation, any encouragement as I leave this morning, it's that we would base our church, base everything we do on this commandment. So let's read Deuteronomy 10. We're going to start in verse 12. 12 through 22. Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 22. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you except to fear the Lord your God by walking in all his ways, to love him, and to worship the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? Keep the Lord's commands and statutes I'm giving you today for your own good. The heavens, indeed, the highest heavens, belong to the Lord your God, as does the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord had his hearts set on your fathers and loved them. He chose the descendants after them. He chose you out of all the people as it is today. Therefore, circumcise your hearts and don't be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is the Lord of gods and the Lord of lords, the great and mighty and awe-inspiring God, showing no partiality, taking no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the resident alien, giving him food and clothing. You are also to love the resident aliens since you were resident aliens in the land of Egypt. You are to fear the Lord your God and worship him. Remain faithful to him. Take oaths in his name. He is your praise and he is your God who has done for you these great and awe-inspiring works your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 people in all, and now the Lord your God has made you numerous like the stars of the sky. So leading up to this little mini-sermon by Moses, the Israelites had just been freed from Egypt. They've come out of slavery. They're wandering onto the promised land. Just a few chapters before this, God gives them the Ten Commandments. They disobey the Ten Commandments. Moses intercedes for them. He begs God to forgive them. Tells them that, hey, if you come up against other armies, you're going to destroy them. God will be with you. He's going to get you to the promised land. They disobey some more. And then God still keeps his covenant with them. And that's what Moses is saying here. Listen, be faithful to God because his covenant is unbreakable. All the things that you have done, all the times that you have disobeyed, he's still here. He's still with you. So don't break your covenant with him. And he reminds them of a few things. So this is what we're going to talk about this morning. First thing he reminds them of is God's faithfulness. He reminds them that God's covenant is unbreakable. So look at verses 14 to 15. We'll read that again. The heavens, indeed the highest heavens, belong to the Lord your God, as does the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord had his heart set on your fathers and loved them. He chose their descendants after them. He chose you out of all the peoples as it is today. So I love Moses' way of of illustrating it here. He says the heavens, indeed the highest heavens, belong to the Lord. So what he's saying is that literally everything in the universe belongs to God. Everything you can fathom is subject to God. There's nothing above him. No molecule, no galaxy, No amount of knowledge or wisdom, nothing is out of God's hands. He embodies everything that there is in the universe, and he created all of it. Creation, if you read Genesis 1, creation comes into existence literally by God speaking a word. That's how powerful your God is. And yet, verse 15, and yet, he set his heart on you. He chose you out of all people. The sovereign, majestic, almighty God of heaven and earth who is beyond the highest heavens, comes near to each one of us. Moses is telling them that he rescued little old Israel out of Egypt. Egypt, the world's greatest superpower. Pharaoh, who all the other nations bow down to. 
the greatest military power the world had ever seen. Pharaoh, considered to be a mediator between God and man, this all-powerful man Pharaoh is. And Moses reminds them, you don't need Pharaoh to get to God, and Pharaoh's not your God. (laughs) Thanks, Trevor. God himself has come near to you. This God who controls and owns and created everything has come near to you. You're in the land of Egypt. You're in slavery. There's no way out. What are you going to do? There's no way you're going to get out of there. And yet, God delivered you. If you don't, if you wonder, Israelites, whether God is powerful, if you wonder whether he can do anything, look back at the Exodus. He did what seemed to be the impossible thing. He freed you from the most powerful nation in the world. And so your obedience to the covenant that he made with you should be rooted in reverence and gratitude for the faithfulness that he has made to you and that you return that faithfulness to the covenant to him. He says, even your disobedience is no match for God. You have disobeyed over and over again after all he's done, and his covenant is still here. He still loves you. He still set his heart on you. But he didn't stop there, right? He goes on and he says, God's covenant is inseparable from his mission. Okay, so if you remember back in Genesis, God creates Adam and Eve. He puts them in the garden. He says, be fruitful and multiply. You're my image bearers. Go spread my image across the earth. And what he's doing is telling them that literally I want you to populate the world with people who worship me. That was Adam and Eve's original uh, commissioning. And then he reminds Israel here, yes, you are a chosen people who have the same mission. It's still your job to go to the promised land. It's still your job to create worshipers all over the world. You are the, you are the vehicle through which I am going to save the whole world. Which means that Israel can't only be concerned with themselves. Look at verses uh, 16 to 19. Therefore, circumcise your hearts and don't be stiff-necked any longer. Don't be like a small child who continues to disobey whenever I'm trying to do something right for you. Don't be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, mighty, awe-inspiring God, showing no partiality and taking no bribe. Think about Egypt. Pharaoh, he'll do anything for money. He takes advantage of people. He tries to basically create genocide on the Jewish people. That's not God. He shows no partiality. He takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the resident alien, or you could say the immigrant or the foreigner. So Pharaoh didn't love the alien. He didn't love the foreigner, right? He took advantage of them with his power. God doesn't do that. He gives the resident alien food and clothing. You are also to love the resident alien since you were resident aliens in Egypt. You were lost and God saved you. So that, that means that you... Give that to other people. So just a few chapters before this, God tells them that when they come against other nations, that he's going to cast them out. He's going to destroy them, right? He says, if anybody tries to stop you from getting to the promised land, they're not going to be able to stand in your way. God is going to protect you. So God rescues Israel out of Egypt, and Israel's probably feeling pretty good about themselves, right? Like, man, we have the God of the universe on our side. This is pretty good, right? We're going to go into any nation, and we're going to win. We're going to get to the promised land that God has told us. So they're marching on toward the promised land, the God of the universe promising them victory and deliverance, but God doesn't let them get too full of themselves. He tells them, yes, you'll reach the promised land. You might even have military success on the way, but the Israelites don't have a monopoly on God. He reminds them that though he is an all-powerful God, he still loves all people, not just Israel. He didn't stop loving everybody else in the world because he chose Israel for a particular mission. He's telling Israel, You still care for the people that you come across. Care for the people who come into your camp. 
because God loves all of them. He shows no partiality, therefore you show no partiality. Okay, you don't get to say that Israel is the best nation ever, and therefore anybody else who comes in, sorry, you're not one of us. He says, no, God doesn't show partiality that way, and neither do you. Of course God loves his people. Of course he chose Israel as a special nation. He made a unique covenant with them, just like he does with his church. But his covenant with them is not a demand for them to worship him and then stop there. It's also a demand to love other people the way that he does. And this is another reminder of something that we preach here at City often, right? Salvation is not just an individualistic relationship with God. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. Israel and the church both have this in common. God's covenant is inseparable from his mission. You don't get God's covenant without his mission. The call to love and obey God includes the call to love the ones that he loves. So if God has shown you grace, he tells Israel and he tells us, if God has shown you grace, then you should show others grace. So Moses reminds them, God loves them, but he also reminds them that he loves everybody else too. So then he ends here with an exhortation. He tells them to remain faithful to God. Look at verses uh, 20 to 22. You are to fear the Lord your God and worship him. Remain faithful to him and take oaths in his name. He is your praise and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awe-inspiring works your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 people in all, and now the Lord your God has made you numerous like the stars of the sky. So in other words, he just says, remain faithful to God the way that God has remained faithful to you. Look back and remember all the good things that God has done, and then go out into the world loving him and loving others. And so my encouragement this morning to you is simple. It's the same that Moses gives. It's the same that Jesus gave at the very beginning. Remain faithful to God's command. Keep your eyes on Christ, who saved you into God's mission, and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, who empowers you to live that mission. Because here's the truth, guys. You don't have to be a Christian to open a Bible and sing songs on a Sunday morning. As a matter of fact, all around the world, there are people who don't love Christ who come into churches on Sunday mornings and read read the Bible, listen to the sermon, and sing songs. You also don't have to be a Christian to meet in community groups and serve at Bradley. There are lots of people who go to church on Sundays and who have people in their homes for dinner who are, have, don't give a rip about Christ. That's not even their motivation. So what I want us to do is make sure we don't fall into either trap. Some of us tend toward, man, we love community group, we give sacrificially, serve at Bradley, we serve on a serve team here, but we're not reading our Bibles, we're not praying, we're not Sabbathing, we're not worshiping the Lord in our everyday life, but man, we're loving other people. There's other, some of us who read their Bibles every day, pray all the time, who don't serve, don't give sacrificially, don't know their neighbor's names, don't love people in their neighborhood well. But we don't need to fall into either trap because God's covenant and God's mission are together. We cannot separate them. So we have to remain faithful to Jesus' words, to love God and love others. So if you tend toward reading your Bible and praying regularly, Think about ways, ask God to show you ways that you can balance that out by loving your neighbor well. Don't stop doing what you're doing, but start loving your neighbor well. Start being sacrificial, start serving. If you tend toward loving people really, really well, but you're not reading your Bible regularly, you're not praying regularly, you're not Sabbathing regularly, you're not in accountability, you're not confessing your sins, balance that out. Make sure that you are loving God and loving others, not just one or the other. Again, don't, don't stop doing what you're doing, but seek out a balance between the two because Jesus does not separate them, and neither can we. If we try to separate them, we're like the Pharisees or the Sadducees that Jesus says, you don't understand the scriptures. If you try to separate these, you don't get it. You've missed it. 
So let's not miss it. My greatest compliment for City Church is that we confess our sins well. We challenge people to read their Bibles. We do community really well. Um, But there are so many of us, being a pastor here for two years, all of us, I've seen it in really extreme, awful, life-destroying ways, and I've seen it in just simple ways that a lot of us tend toward one or the other. And what I want to tell City Church is, you're already doing all of this well, just keep going. Keep doing these things well. Keep seeking Christ. Keep seeking this call, this basic command. Remain faithful to loving God and loving others. We came here four years ago, and um, our marriage was in trouble. We didn't know it. And City saved it. God saved it through City. I love Scripture more because of this church. I love my neighbors more because of this church. <clears throat> and God forbid that ever changes. God forbid we ever stop doing that. So in the words of your church member covenants, don't quit. Keep going. Let's pray.